So what if I were to tell you that there is a passage in the Bible that gives us clear clues on how to do what Jesus did. We, we are supposed to be disciples of Jesus, right? And as disciples, we follow Jesus. Disciples, disciples means to be students of Jesus, to learn to do what Jesus did. Amen? That's what a disciple is. You're learning to become more and more like him. And to become more and more like him, we have to start learning how to do what Jesus did. And so we're going to dive in deep today and say, now, how can I do what he did? Because the message this morning in part three of our series is do what he did. Do what he did. So what if I told you there's a verse in the Bible that tells you how to do one verse? Tells you how to do what we did. If you understand and follow what is in this one verse, we will be on a path to do what Jesus did. How about that, eh? <laughs> okay, so that's where we're going to go this morning. And uh, I'm going to show you from one verse a few things that Jesus did that we can do too. What? Listen, I'm not saying that you're going to be Jesus, okay? There's only one Jesus. Only he can do everything that he did. But God invites us to follow him and to become more and more like him. So there must be some things that we can do that he did. All right? After all, he, when he went away, he told us to carry on with what? His work. And therefore, there must be things that we can do. And that's what you're going to be talking about today. But before I get to that scripture, let me back up a little bit more and tell a bit more about this series. It's Our House, the series of what we've been doing the past couple of weeks. It explores congregational values that should define our relationships with those inside the church and outside the church. Why do we call it our house when we talk about the church? Or about the church as a whole. Not just our church, Awaken Life, but the church as a whole. On Wednesday, we get together with, we'll get beginning together with other churches, leaders and members of other churches. And that is our house in, in Capitol Park or our house in Pretoria. And our house belongs to our international house because it is our church. Well, that's because the Bible calls the church a house. There are a number of verses. Let me show you a couple. Ephesians 2.19 says, You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You see, the church is a household. It's a house. We are family. And he says we are all far away from God at one stage, but he brought us all together. All right? Hebrews 3.6 but Christ as son over his own house. Whose house? We are. So you see, we are a house. If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. I, I know we, we don't like these ifs in the Bible, but man, they are there. And we have to understand him, face him, and kind of comply with him. He says, we are the house of the Lord if we hold fast to the confidence and the rejoicing, the hope of what he has for us. And you see, we need to rejoice in that as we sang today, in good times and bad times, in joyful times and in sad times. I can smile today, although I'm sad, because of my hope. I haven't lost a father. He simply moved the address. 
and didn't notify me beforehand. He just did it. I know. I know where he is. I know what he's doing, and I'm going to see him again. A couple of years, but I'll see him again. You see, there's a hope. And if you hold on to this hope, the Bible says, hey, you are the house of God. House of Jesus. And so, you see, it's not about a building. It's about a people. The building here is the building where the church meets. The building is the building where the house meets. Okay? Go figure that one out. But that's what the word says because we are the house. The Holy Spirit doesn't inhabit this building. The Holy Spirit inhabits us. So when we leave, the Holy Spirit goes with us. He doesn't hang around you all by himself because this is a holy place. It's a holy place when holy people enter this place. Hello? In his letter to Timothy, Paul talks about the conduct of believers. And remember last week in Ephesians 4, Paul is talking about what God has done, then suddenly turns around and begins to talk about the conduct of the people for whom God has done all these wonderful things in response. And to Timothy, he, he talks again about the conduct of believers. 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 3.15, he says, I write to you so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. Oh, I see. So when I go to church, I must behave myself, right? Uh, no, let's read on. Conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. And we've just read before that the church, the people, they are the house. So that is how we conduct ourselves as a church. Amen? So it, it's like this. It's like uh, you are the church. Now, when you, are, when you are here on a Sunday morning, because you're kind of all like-minded, we believe the same things, and we understand the same kind of jokes, we kind of speak the same language, and so we're all cool with each other, and we behave ourselves in church on Sunday morning. Real Christian behavior. We use the right language, and we, we show love to one another, and, uh, and, uh, and. But what happens when you go to work tomorrow morning? When you go to school tomorrow morning, when you go to gym tomorrow morning, when you're in the shops, when you are with your friends, and then they come with the spicy jokes, and then they irritate you, and then they drive you crazy, and then there is that test that you're not prepared for, and all of a sudden they just, we're writing a test today. What the, you know, what happens then? How is your behavior? How is my behavior? Are we still lovely Christians? Are we still the church? Or do we switch over to the other side now? It says, I'm in the world. now. I'm going to do it just like them. In fact, I'm going to do worse than them because I've got to make my mark, you know. Yeah. The Bible says, whether we are together worshiping the Lord or whether we are worshiping God through our lives out there, in our jobs, in our schools, in our families, in our homes, in our entertainment, we are supposed to carry, huh? The marks of Christ. Our conduct must reveal that there is something in us that we are the house. That the Holy Spirit is in the house. Amen. You know, um, we often, I don't know about you guys, but in my days at least, and I think it still happens as far as I remember when my kids were in school. When you are in a school uniform, you're a scholar, you've got your school uniform. Even if you are outside the school, you're supposed to behave properly. If they catch you misbehaving outside the school, 
you know, swearing and doing all sorts of rubbish and picking up fights, the school can punish you. You can be reported and they can do it. I remember once upon a time I was a prefect in school and I caught some of these guys outside the school doing stuff. Say, hey, come here. <gasps> come here. You're in trouble. But I'm outside the school. You're in uniform. You represent the school. Come. <laughs> Why? Because we carry that identity of the school. Well, as church, we are not only Christians when we are together on a Sunday morning or any other time during the week when we gather together as Christians and we are talking the lingo. <laughs> we are Christians wherever, whatever environment we are in. We are the house of the living God, no matter where we are. We are his representatives. And so in our house, in the gathering of believers like we are today, and as many Christians are gathered all over the world today, we learn how to conduct ourselves in a way that is pleasing to God and in a way that helps us to become more like him. <clears throat> Amen? In this house, we learn about the gospel. We learn about the cross and the focus of the cross. It's where we learn to be a student of Jesus. Now, the cross of Jesus unites God to man. But it also brings together man and man. Mankind, it brings us together. L look at us here. We come from diverse backgrounds, diverse nations. And yet we are one body, one church. And that's what we've been talking about. The Bible is really clear. From the first century, as Jesus launched his church, it is supposed to be a gathering of people. There's no more Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor. And No, it, it, we are one people. doesn't matter where your background is. As a believer, we are brothers and sisters. We are together. We are one. <clears throat> and so we learn to become like Jesus and do what he did. So let's go to that verse. That verse that I said that shows us how to do what Jesus did. And so let's see how we can become more like Jesus. And the verse is Matthew 9, 35. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, which says the following. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. That's it. Let me read it again slowly. <clears throat> Are you ready? Here we go. Then Jesus went about all the cities and the villages. He went about cities and villages. Do you ever go about your city or a village? Sometimes. Do you ever get out of your house and go about? Well, Jesus went about. He just went about. He walked. Back in those days, there was no Uber, there was no bus, there was no... He had to walk. How about he used that donkey? Yeah, I want to get into Jerusalem, but that was once, right? Most of the time, he walked. And you, you'll notice if you walk the streets, it's much easier to observe what's going on when you walk. When you're driving, just look in front of you, you don't notice anything. You just want to get from point A to point B quickly. But when you walk, you see people, 
You could say hello to this one and hey. Yeah, you meet some friends. Hey, long time no see. Huh? Jesus went about. He went teaching in their synagogues. He would go to a church meeting and he would share. Teach. He knew about the word of God and so he would share. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom of God. Talking about proclaiming that there is such a thing as the kingdom of God. And that everybody can join the kingdom of God. Another thing he did, he said, and healing every sickness and every disease among people. So as he came across sick people, he would say, oh, you sick? Yeah, come, let me pray for you. And, and he would heal them. So that's what Jesus did. He went about. He went about teaching. So he went about. He taught. He preached. And he healed. All right? Four things Jesus did. Went about teaching, preaching, and healing. And those are the four things that you can do. And like Jesus used to say, go and do likewise. So brothers and sisters, end of the service. Go and do likewise and be like Jesus. Amen. And what are you thinking? But pastor, I am not Jesus. Okay, let's, let's, go, and, let's go and say it again. Look, Paul said, well, first of all, Ephesians says we must be imitators of God. Okay, you must be like God. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And, and if you look at the life of Paul, check it out. He went about. <laughs> he would go all over the place. And he was teaching. He was preaching. And a number of sick people got healed as Paul prayed for them. He went healing. He didn't heal them, but Jesus healed people through Paul. He was doing what Jesus did. Right? And then he says, now, follow me or imitate me. Now, to imitate you, to imitate somebody, is to do what they do. Okay? So, if I, if I tell everybody, let's play an imitation game. You all stand up, and whatever I do, you do. So you all stand up, and I go like this, you all go like this. Then I go like this, you all go like this. Then I go like this, you all go like this. You're imitating me. Now, when you imitate someone, you don't have to understand why you do what you do. You simply do. If I say, imitate me, hmm, and if you say, Pastor, why are you putting your hand up? You're not imitating me. You're asking questions now. You're becoming difficult. Imitate me. Just put your hand up and I'll put your hand on your head. That is imitating. See, here's the problem with us and the Bible and God. We want to question everything. We want to understand everything before we take a single step. We want to be sure that we know, that we know, that we know, that we know. Instead of just obeying God. God says, do this. Yes, sir. I do this. I don't have to understand why I do this, but guess what? As you obey God, as you do this, and as you do that, guess what happens? All of a sudden, you begin to understand. But you don't understand before. It's once you obey, oh, yeah, now it makes sense. You see, it's by following Jesus, by obeying Jesus, by growing in relationship with him that the understanding comes. Understanding follows obedience, amen? So, it's our turn now to imitate Christ, to do what he did. First of all, he went about. He would 
infiltrate on purpose. Go to places where other people wouldn't go to. The Pharisees wouldn't be seen dead among some of the people that Jesus went to. But he went there. You see, the only way for you to understand and to know people and communities is to be there with them. Guess what? You are there. In your classrooms at school, you are meeting kids from other kinds of background. You're getting to know people that you wouldn't know if you're not there. But as you go about your school life, you meet people, begin to understand people's backgrounds and people's difficulties, people's challenges and people's joys. The same thing there where you work. Not everybody at your work is like you. Not everybody's as nice and perfect as you, right? You got some difficult people there, but some of those people have difficult backgrounds too. And guess what? You're there. Huh? You are going about. As you go to the shops, have you stopped to look at the people around you? When you go to pay your, your bill at the, the, the checkout, do you stop to look at that person, that lady or that guy? Do you ever ask them, hey, how are you today? Have you noticed sometimes how frustrated they are or sometimes how happy they are? Ever stop to have a chat with them? You see, Jesus went about, meaning he took notice of his environment. And he, and he became aware of his surroundings on purpose. He did it. And you and I can do it. You don't need a PhD to go about and become aware of your environment. You okay? All right. What else did Jesus do? Teaching. And sometimes Jesus taught in a more structured way, like at the synagogues and so forth. Other times it was spontaneous with the disciples or with people. Sometimes one-on-one, -on -one, sometimes one too many. And, and by teaching is he would open the scriptures to people and help them have a deeper understanding of the word of God and of who God is. And those two guys going from Jerusalem to Emmaus on the day of resurrection, Jesus came along them and what did he do? He taught them all the way. He just opened the scriptures to them. Why? Because he knew the scriptures. Do you know the scriptures? You might say, but pastor, I'm, I'm still young in the faith. But you know something, right? There are things that you know. Because you come to church, because you hear the gospel, because you go home and you read your Bible, because you, 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 you're spending time with Jesus. And I hope you guys are doing that. <laughs> all right? Because relationship with Jesus is something that we don't do only on a Sunday morning. It's a way of life. And if you hang around a place like this for a, for a, for a while, a couple of months, a couple of years, your knowledge of the word grows. As you interact with Jesus, as you read your Bible, as you pray, as you allow the Holy Spirit working in you, your knowledge of Scripture grows. So all of a sudden, you've got something that you can teach somebody else. And if you're going about and you're starting to become aware of people, you are going to meet someone that needs to hear a little bit of what you know about God and about the Bible. They might be struggling with questions about God and about the future and what's happening, you know. And, and you know the answer because you've been listening to the word of God. You've been reading your Bible. And when you hear it on Sunday morning, you take some notes. And then when you go home, you got to make sure that what the preacher said is true. If it's really the Bible, okay. And you go and spend time with God and check it out. And so you begin to grow. And therefore, you can teach. Again. 
You don't have to be a Bible scholar to teach someone. Everything you learn from the Bible, no matter how, 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 how new you are to the Christian life, no matter how little you know, that little bit you know is more than somebody else around there who knows nothing about the Bible, and you can share, and you can teach them something. Huh? And as you continue to grow, we'll have more and more and more to share. So don't stop growing. Continue growing. The other thing Jesus did was preaching. Preaching is, is sharing. Sharing the good news. It's, it's evangelism. All right? Raising the flag of Christianity. Raising the flag of the kingdom of God. And Jesus didn't miss opportunities to do that. Sometimes he was teaching like digging the word. Other times he was just proclaiming and telling people. The kingdom of God is here, <laughs> you know. And again, it doesn't have to be a crowd. Mostly it's one-to-one that we do this kind of thing, you know. And, 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 and you know, you, you meet somebody there, Don says, listen, God loves you, man. Jesus loves you. That's it. You're not teaching. You're just proclaiming the gospel, you know. Jesus loves you. And so you become a witness, Somebody sees you, and, and, and they see you going through a difficult situation, but you're not swearing. They said, how come, you, you know, if I were you, I would have clapped that guy, I would have sorted him out. He says, don't worry, man. God is in me, Jesus is in me, you know, and, and he's helping me. You're just proclaiming something. Just putting something out there, okay? And he's helping me. You're letting somebody know that there is somebody greater in you, that you follow someone. You're showing your identity. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And some people just need to hear that, and they want to spend more time with you. Now, let me put a disclaimer over here. Just because you are a Christian, and just because you are open to teach, and to preach, and to share your faith, doesn't mean that everybody's going to like you. Take note that not everybody liked Jesus. Hello? Huh? Some people followed him, some people hated him. Same Jesus, same words, same actions. But some loved him and want to follow him, and some wanted to see him dead. So understand the cost, okay? Following Christ is not, not going to make you the most popular guy or girl at school or necessarily make you the life of the party. But who are we here to please, people or God? Where do we land up eventually in eternity? With people or with God? Who do you have to give an account to? To your friends or to God? So I'd rather be on the good side of God. Because I'm going to spend a long, long time on the other side. Like eternity, you know. And I want to land in the right place. <laughs> and so, these three things, you know, went about. Teaching, sharing, whatever amount of knowledge we have, we can do this. You see, teaching and preaching and proclaiming is not always here from, from the pulpit to people. And, and that's, that's not how I started either. I started back in high school as, a, as someone who gave my life to Christ and I started putting my flag up and getting flack from my friends and having debates over lunchtime and sometimes during practical periods too and we talk a little bit when the teacher wasn't there talk about the things of God and I made some enemies and I made some friends and then later in life I found out that some of those guys which I annoyed in school eventually later came to believe in Jesus Christ because of those seeds planted over there 
So three things. Fourth thing is healing. You know, and Jesus went about healing people. And, and Jesus trusted God, trusted the Father to work through him and to do that. What about you and me? Can we heal people? And the answer is, with God's help, yes. You see, again, we are not Jesus. We are followers of Jesus. Disease, dis-ease. Many people are not at ease. Not necessarily because they are sick or dying of something, but there is turmoil in their lives. There is maybe grief in their lives. There is maybe uh, situational problems, relational problems. You and I can come alongside people as a friend. We can offer a year to listen. Talk to me, man. We can accept people. We can create a safe space where people can be real, where they can talk. Amen? And yes, we can say, can I pray for you? If they are sick, if there's something going on, can I pray for you? And we lay hands on them and we pray for them in the name of Jesus. And sometimes... They're going to get completely healed. Sometimes they're going to get partial healing. Sometimes they're going to get a touch of God. And some of you have done this. And you've seen the hand of God. Amen. Praise God. And we've seen. I've seen. You know. And sometimes people that I wasn't expecting to see God do something, I pray, boom, things happen. Is it because of Aldir? No, it's because of God. But you see, you make yourself available. He says, I'm going to go. I'm going to, I'm going to imitate Jesus. Jesus did this. I'm going to do it. He prayed for people. I'm going to pray for people. You know, he tried to encourage people. I'm going to encourage people. Do you know that most people today are discouraged? With this post-pandemic world, people are so stressed and so tired and so broken. They need encouragement more than anything else. And if you can share a little bit of the hope that we have in us. You know, God comforts us so that we can comfort others. That's why I can do what I'm doing here this morning after losing my dad on Friday evening. Am I sad? Of course I'm sad. But am I hopeful? Of course I'm hopeful. I'm comforted by the Holy Spirit. And because he comforts me, I can comfort others. I can stand up here and I can preach the word of God with confidence. Because I know in whom I have believed. I know in whom my dad believed. I know where he is. I know where I'm going. I know that this world with all its problems and mess is not going to self-destruct because Jesus is going to put a stop to it. He's coming back. I believe in the kingdom of God. I believe that before man gets too much concerned and, and builds a place in Mars to run away from the earth, Jesus is going to come out and he's going to come back and he's going to sort out this earth, this planet. I don't need Mars. That's my hope. That's my confidence. Pastor, maybe you are wrong. Eh. All the other prophecies for the last, you know, 2,000 years, 3,000 years, 4,000 years, they've all have been fulfilled. Why shouldn't the balance be fulfilled as well? Hmm? And if this confidence is making me a, a better father, a better husband, a better person. Why shouldn't I continue believing it? Yeah, but what if there is no God, Pastor? Have I lost anything if there is no God by following the commands of the Bible? Let me ask you, what if there is a God and you haven't followed the Lord? <laughs> a bit late afterwards, no? 
So you see, guys, this is what I'm talking about. Jesus went about teaching, preaching, and healing. And so can you see that the things that he did, we can do it. Not on his level, obviously. But we don't all need to be there. We don't need more preachers in the pulpits. We need more preachers in the streets, in the homes, in the workplaces, and so on. Because a lot of the people that need Jesus are never going to come to a church. Especially when they hear the news and they hear all the nonsense and the junk happening in many churches and pastors being unfaithful and, and so on. It's an embarrassment. Now, you and I understand the dynamics of these things, but the people out there, they criticize in the churches. Look at that, look at that. They judge all the churches by what they hear that one or two churches did in the media. Somebody gets disappointed in the church, they judge all the church. They're all the same, you know, never going to church again. So a lot of those guys are never going to come to the building where the church meets. That's why it's important that the church that meets in the building gets out there and becomes the church everywhere they go. So that you can sit with people and remove obstacles that they have between them and God. So what do we need to do? We need to go about, we need to teach, we need to preach, and we need to heal. Bring healing. Every time you help someone to come close to Jesus, every time you counsel someone, every time you help someone get more confidence, every time you encourage somebody, you are healing. You are part of a healing team. And sometimes healing happens in steps. You come and you say something to the person, oh, I'm feeling better. Then you come and you say something else to that person, and then they bump into you. And it's, it's a process. And we all need to embrace and become part of this team. Amen? So guess what? Out of the four things that Jesus did, the three of them, I don't have to wait on the Lord. To go about, to teach, and to preach, I don't have to wait on the Lord. Have you heard that? People say, oh, I'm waiting on the Lord to tell me what to do. I'm waiting for him to show me what I must do. Hey, stop waiting, start doing. Because Jesus already said, what am I go about? Everyone goes about. And as you go about, teach and preach. The fourth one we need his help, but we can still do quite a lot of it just by obeying, just by being out there. But on that fourth one, you really lean, look, you lean on him for everything, but you really lean on Jesus for the healing part, trusting God to touch people as you pray for them, but being available. So actually, out of, all, out of the four things that Jesus did, four of them we can do. All we need to do is stop waiting and Start doing. What we need is more obedience to what the Lord has said, or the Bible tells us. So, the harvesting of the fields is more dependent on me than it is on the Lord. You, know, you often hear people saying, oh, there's a revival coming. We're waiting for the revival. God is going to send the revival. There's a new revival coming. And I've heard, for decades I've been hearing this. And now I'm thinking, are we waiting for God to send a revival or is God waiting for us to obey him? He's told us what to do. Go. And that's why Jesus, you know, uh, in, 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 in verse 38, Matthew 9, 38, he says, Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. 
And God is sending out. We spoke about this in the first uh, part of the series. God is calling people. Who shall I send? And he's calling people, sending out. But are we going? Are we obeying? Are we making ourselves available? No, we say, oh, I'm waiting on the Lord to tell me, what must I do? Must I teach? Must I preach? Must I prophesy? Oh, what must I do, Lord? Oh, stop it. Let's go about and be alert. And every opportunity you find, you do. Opportunity to, to, to teach somebody a bit more about the word of God, you do that. Opportunity to share the good news. Hey, Jesus loves you, man. Can I pray for you? Opportunity to bring healing to somebody. You need to talk to someone. He has my number. Give me a call. We can talk, man. Encourage somebody. You look down today. What's up, man? Come on. you know. And you never know whether you are going to be that person that brings one word. One sentence, one smile. I walk back, my wife and I just spent some time, just a few minutes, just speaking words of encouragement to a, a certain lady. We were not aware that her daughter was nearby and was listening to this. As my wife and I are leaving, the daughter comes behind and says, guys, thank you so much for encouraging my mother. You've got no idea what it means to her and to me. Thank you. I looked at my wife like what? We did nothing out of the ordinary. To us, it felt it's what normal people should do anyway. But you see, it took just a moment to become aware of the environment, conscious of that person's presence, notice something about her, and give a bit of feedback and encourage that person. And without us knowing, that day, that person needed that we can all do that so am i telling you that me your beloved pastor i do this every single day i mean i wake up in the morning and i get into my car and then i go into town i park my car and i go about teaching healing preaching unfortunately not i make mistakes too i sometimes am in such a hurry to do something i don't even see people i'm looking in front of me I sometimes go past people, hey, psst, and I look at somebody I know, and I didn't even see them, just gone past them. So maybe if you've seen me come past you and I didn't acknowledge you, it's not because I'm mad at you, it's because I'm having one of those days, I'm just focused on, I've got to go there quickly and so on. We all do that. So what I'm saying is this, guys, we all go about anyway. Let us just become alert and aware of this, that let's slow down a little bit and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us on a daily basis and guide us so that we can go about, we can teach, we can preach, and we can bring healing to the world around us. Amen? Praise God. Come, let's stand up. Let's close in prayer. Let's give God the glory, and let's go out and become what? Doers of the word. Amen? <laughs> Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, that you give us instructions which are clear and practical and doable, Lord. Sorry, dear God, that we complicate them. Sorry that we hide behind complexities and all sorts of excuses, Lord, not to simply obey you, simply, simply mimic you, Lord. Be imitators of you, Lord. I pray that as we leave this house this morning, as we leave this building this morning, as we leave as your house, we leave this building this morning, Lord, that We'll be alert, and especially tomorrow as we go back to day-to-day -to -day life. Lord, help us to be aware 
that we are your church. Whether we are in school, at work, at play, we are your church, Lord. And so help us to go about and look for opportunities to teach, to preach, to encourage, to bring healing, to pray for someone, to encourage someone, to share something more of your word with someone, to let somebody know that Jesus loves them, that God cares for them, irrespective of the situation they find themselves in. Lord, make us, help us to be your messengers, no matter where we go, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. And so now, may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us in a special way, making us alert that we are imitators of Christ, followers of Christ, and that we'll do what he did for your glory, Lord. Amen and amen. Guys, have a wonderful day, a wonderful week. And listen, go out there and do what he did. Amen. Do what? Do what? Say it with me. Do what he did. God bless you.